0: The ACBE Forum, Volume 60, December 2021, Number 6. Published by the American Council of the Blind. Read by Nancy Gahagan in the recording studio of the Perkins Library. Be a part of ACB. The American Council of the Blind, trademark, is a membership organization made up of more than 70 state and special interest affiliates. To join, contact the National Office at one 800 424-8666. Contribute to our work. Those much-needed contributions, which are tax-deductible, can be sent to Attention Treasurer, ACB 6200 Shingle Creek Parkway, Suite 155, Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, 55430. If you wish to remember a relative or friend, the National Office has printed cards available for this purpose. Consider including a gift to ACB in your last will and testament. If your wishes are complex, call the National Office. To make a contribution to ACB by the Combined Federal Campaign, use this number, 11155. Check in with ACB. For the latest in legislative and governmental news, call the Washington Connection 24-7 at 1-800-424-8666 or read it online. Listen to ACB reports by downloading the MP3 file from www.acb.org or call 518-906-1820 and choose Option 8. Tune in to ACB Media at www.acbmedia.org or by calling 518-906-1820. Learn more about us at www.acb.org. Follow us on Twitter at, at sign, ACB National, or like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash A-M-E-R-I-C-A-N-C-O-U-N-C-I-L-O-F-T-H-E-B-L-I-N-D-O-F-F-I-C-I-A-L. Copyright 2021, American Council of the Blind. Eric Bridges, Executive Director, Sharon Lovering, Editor. 1703 North Beauregard Street, Suite 420, Alexandria, Virginia, 22311. Table of Contents President's Message I'm So Thankful by Dan Spoon ACB and Walmart Team Up on White Cane Day To amplify the importance of health for independence for blind and low-vision Americans Convention 2022 Preview The Hilton Omaha by Janet Tickleman Summaries of the August and September Meetings of the ACB Board of Directors by Penny Reader Summary of 2021 Resolutions Passings Looking at my low-vision life, at least so far by Edward L. Cohen. The Mother of All Fundraisers, by Judy Wilkinson. Notice of Proposed Settlement of Class Action and Fairness Hearing. Here and There, edited by Cynthia G. Hawkins. Christmas Wishes, by Earl Sherry. The New Year, by Horatio Nelson Powers. Are you moving? Do you want to change your subscription? Contact Sharon Lovering in the ACB National Office, 1-800-424-8666, or via email, slovering at acb.org. Give her the information and she'll make the changes for you. Save the date. Our ACB community hopes that we can spend New Year's Eve together for the second annual community a on December 31, 2021. Visit acb.org slash numerals 2021 community dash a-thon, spelled A-T-H-O-N, for more information. President's Message I'm So Thankful by Dan Spoon Tis the season to take a few minutes and reflect on all of our blessings. I'm so thankful for ACB. This community gives Leslie and me a place to belong. These last two years have been very challenging for us. We are very worried about the impacts from the pandemic. Just when we think things are getting better, we are confronted by another spike in the virus. We are tired, angry, and worried. Our confidence in basic institutions is at a 100-year low. Our politics are polarized. It feels uncomfortable to have holiday meals with those you love. We try to have casual conversations, but politics are just under the surface, and you can always feel the tension. It's exhausting and so uncomfortable. I don't know how to have a civil conversation. The emotion is too high. It makes me feel so sad. In the middle of this despair, ACB has become my shining star for the future. Our ACB family has risen above the politics to find the good in each of us. We have formed a community that fosters support for all blind and low-vision people. Our members accepted the challenge of the pandemic with the same energy we use to advocate for our civil rights. We held two virtual conventions and proved our resilience. Both events featured eight days of amazing content with general sessions, primetime shows, 100-plus breakout sessions, fabulous banquets, and wonderful audio description tours of parks and museums. Our members came together to modify our Constitution to allow remote voting for all members. ACB partnered with our fellow associations in the blindness field to hold a fireside chat and host a wonderful D.C. leadership conference. We partnered with AFB to offer over $90,000 in annual scholarships. The inaugural Audio Description Awards Gala establishes ACB as the preeminent authority on audio description, A.D., throughout the world. In a time of racial unrest, ACB has embraced diversity and inclusion. We passed a resolution to foster Spanish language materials within our organization and passed a code of conduct policy to ensure safety for all members and provide a platform to report any misconduct. The Get Up and Get Moving campaign has energized our members to embrace physical exercise, advocate for accessible health care, and promote a lifestyle of healthy living. I'm so thankful for ACB. It gives me a purpose. Leslie and I wish everyone a happy holiday, and we thank each of you for all of your gifts to our community. Please try to reach out to your family and friends and enjoy the holidays. Take time to tell those you live with how much they mean to you. Hip hip hooray to ACB. You have truly made a difference in so many lives these past two years. ACB and Walmart team up on White Cane Day to amplify the importance of health for independence for blind and low-vision Americans. Alexandria, Virginia, October 15, 2021 Today, in honor of White Cane Day, the American Council of the Blind and Walmart have teamed up to raise awareness of the importance of physical activity and routine eye exams for the visually impaired. The national Get Up and Get Moving campaign is designed to encourage the visually impaired communities to take charge of their independence and overall health. We are excited to be collaborating with Walmart to amplify these messages and share health information, for which they continue to push for progress inside and outside of the company through their support of their customers in the communities where they live and overall commitment for accessibility, said Eric Bridges, Executive Director of ACB. Notable past collaborations between the two organizations include ScriptTalk in 2019, which provides audible prescription labels at the patient's request and is available in over 1,952 Walmart and Sam's Club locations across the country. Over 4 million Americans experience severe vision loss and blindness, which, according to the Centers for Disease Control, puts a $51.4 billion burden on our annual economy. The COVID 19 pandemic has highlighted the additional needs many individuals experiencing blindness have when it comes to locally accessible, reliable healthcare options, including nutrition, eye health, and diabetes management. Currently, of the 34 million Americans with diabetes, nearly one-third will experience diabetes-related vision loss. Despite this casual link between diabetes and vision loss, there are few resources and technologies available to allow someone with vision loss to independently test, manage, and care for their diabetes. Together, we hope to empower both our ACB members and the over 30 million Americans with severe vision loss to take control of their health. For more information on the tools and resources available, visit www.acb.org. Convention 2022 Preview, The Hilton, Omaha, by Janet Dickelman. The convention committee and some ACB board members, officers, and staff have just returned from our fall visit to Omaha. The Hilton staff was extremely friendly and helpful. The hotel and adjoining convention center, where the exhibit hall, general sessions, and some of our meetings will be held, are both easy to navigate. The hotel has a restaurant as well as a market that is open from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m., selling everything from coffee to pizza. There are also a number of restaurants within easy walking distance from the Hilton. The dates for the 2022 Conference and Convention of the American Council of the Blind are July 1st through 8th. While in Omaha, we visited many outstanding tour venues. Stay tuned for the tour reveal in the January issue of the Forum. Until then, have a wonderful holiday season. I'm hoping my remodeling project is completed and I can be in my new home office by Christmas. Staying in touch. Want to get the latest and most up-to-date convention information? Subscribe to the convention list by sending a blank email to plus sign, at If you received updates for the 2021 convention, you do not need to resubscribe to the list. For any convention-related questions, please contact Janet Dickelman, Convention Chair, 651-428-5059, or via email, j-a-n-e-t-d-i-c-k-e-l-m-a-n at gmail.com. Summaries of the August and September Meetings of the ACB Board of Directors by Penny Reader the American Council of the Blind Board of Directors held two meetings to consider resolutions which were brought to them with recommendations by the Resolutions Committee. Because of the virtual nature of our 2021 convention, no general session convention time was allotted for members to consider resolutions. Therefore, the board was tasked with evaluating resolutions and deciding which ones to adopt as guidance for ACB's leaders and staff during the coming year. A synopsis of this year's resolutions appears in this issue, as well as at acb.org numerals 2021 resolutions. Both meetings were streamed live on ACB Media, and the meeting recordings have been converted to podcasts. This summary will review other agendized items at both meetings. August 31, 2021 President Dan Spoon called the meeting to order shortly after 8 p.m. Eastern. After the roll call and approval of the meeting agenda, the first item addressed was celebration of this meeting's mission moment. Dan said that he and Executive Director Eric Bridges wanted to acknowledge and celebrate the success of ACB's first-ever in-person elections, which transpired during the 2021 convention. Dan singled out Nancy Becker, who served as ACB's election supervisor, and Rick Morin, who handled all of the technical aspects for each in-person election— for special praise and gratitude. In addition, he thanked newly elected first vice president, Deb Cook-Lewis, for presiding over the August 14 and 15 convention sessions, at which constitutional changes that will allow ACB members to vote remotely in the future were debated and adopted. A major reason in-person voting went so well and with so few challenges, Dan said, was that all of us were so well prepared. He thanked Pat Sheehan and Jeff Tom, who chaired the 2021 Voting Task Force, Connie Sims, who did such a great job educating members about what to expect and how to vote, and all 18 members of the task force for their excellent work, and said that ACB is looking forward to reports from the Voting Task Force 2.0, who will continue planning for fully inclusive and accessible voting at future ACB conventions. Dan polled the board to learn who was planning to attend the October board meeting in person and who was planning to attend virtually. Although several members expressed their intentions to attend the Omaha meeting in person, a number of members reported that they intended to participate virtually. Therefore, the ACB fall board meeting will be a hybrid meeting. Dan noted that since he expects the D.C. Leadership Conference to be hybrid as well, the fall meeting presents ACB with a good opportunity to explore best practices for assuring the success of future hybrid meetings. The October board meeting will be streamed live over ACB Media. Kelly Gask reported that ACB has signed a contract with the Hilton Hotel in Old Town Alexandria to hold the D.C. Leadership Conference, which is scheduled to begin on March 11, 2022. The hotel is within walking distance of the King Street Metro Rail Station and Alexandria's Union Station. There is ample meeting space, and there's a Starbucks inside the hotel. There's an old-town trolley stop right outside the front door, so it will be easy for attendees to travel up and down King Street to visit restaurants and other venues. The room rate will be $119 per night. Dan reported, that in response to the constant contact request for members to let him know which committees they would like to join, which he had distributed a week earlier, he had already received around 40 emails. He encouraged all ACB members to let him know which committees they might wish to join. He also said that each board member will be expected to serve on at least three steering committees, and he encouraged board members to let him know, during September, where their interests lie. Dan reported that he was feeling well after medical interventions that addressed a health concern that had prevented him from presiding at the August sessions, and he thanked ACB members and friends for their concern and messages of support and encouragement. Dan thanked Katie Frederick for her service as chair of the Public Relations Committee, and he announced his wish to nominate Deb Cook-Lewis to chair the PR committee during the coming year the board endorsed that nomination and unanimously confirmed Deb Lewis as chair of the Public Relations Committee. During the next several hours, the board reviewed the 13 resolutions scheduled for discussion. Gabe Griffith, chair of the Resolutions Committee, presented each resolution and several members of the committee, along with makers of the 13 proposed resolutions, were available to answer board members' questions and add to discussion. Susan Glass served as reader for each of the resolutions. The Board adopted a majority of the resolutions, rejected some, and referred others to the committee for further work, and some to related ACB committees and or affiliates for further attention. When all the resolutions had been addressed, the Board held a brief executive session, after which the meeting adjourned. September 29, 2021 Because they knew that there were 17 additional resolutions on the docket for consideration, The September board meeting was called to order at 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time. All board members except for Connie Sims and Jim Crot, both of whose absences were excused, were present, as well as a number of guests, including several members of the Resolutions Committee and makers of resolutions slated for discussion at the meeting. No additions to the meeting agenda were offered, and minutes from the July 16 pre-convention board meeting were unanimously approved without corrections or additions. The board then elected members of the Budget Committee for the coming year. Four board members had shared their interest in serving on the committee with Dan. Three, Kim Charlson, David Trott, and Pat Sheehan, had served on the committee during the prior year, and a fourth board member, Deb Cook-Lewis, had also expressed her interest in joining the committee. ACB's Constitution stipulates that three board members should serve on the Budget Committee— Acknowledging that her involvement in the work of the Budget Committee will be of great assistance to Deb as she begins serving in her first term as ACB's first vice president, Pat Sheehan withdrew his name from consideration, pointing out that his term would be up next summer. Deb, David, and Kim were confirmed unanimously, and Dan thanked Pat for his service on the committee. The board then tackled the 17 remaining resolutions which the Resolutions Committee presented for consideration and approval. Of the 17, 15 were adopted, and two were referred to ACB affiliates or committees for further work. The discussions which occurred during both the August and September board meetings concerning all submitted resolutions are available for all members to hear. Visit these links to listen. tinyurl.com numeral 7 NBP numerals 66 KX and tinyurl.com slash numeral 7F numerals 7828AW. The meeting adjourned at 12.07 a.m. Eastern. Summary of 2021 Resolutions The following are brief summaries of the resolutions adopted by the ACB Board of Directors at its telephonic meetings on August 31, 2021 and September 29, 2021. Seven resolutions were withdrawn by their makers. Those were Resolutions 202105, and 202132. Resolution 202102 was referred to the Information Access Committee. Resolution 202103 was considered by ACB's board of directors but did not pass. Resolutions 202114 and 202131 were also referred. Please note that these summary statements are not the authoritative voice of the ACB board of directors. They are simply meant to capture the overall scope and intent of the resolutions. You can find the full text of resolutions at acb.org/numerals2021-resolutions. Resolution 202101 directs ACB to urge its state affiliates to strongly consider undertaking advocacy efforts to create disability awareness training requirements for healthcare facilities, professionals and their staffs and instructs affiliates that make such efforts to work with ACB's Get Up and Get Moving campaign. Resolution 202104 directs ACB to urge the Rehabilitation Services Administration, in the strongest possible language, to establish comprehensive standards of conduct and ongoing verification that such standards are being adhered to by all residential rehabilitation training centers, community rehabilitation programs, CRPs, service providers, and all other individuals contracted to provide rehabilitation services to people who are blind or have low vision as part of RSA's ongoing monitoring processes. Also instructs RSA to direct state rehabilitation agencies to include in their state plans, policies, procedures, and practices to ensure that documented allegations of sexual misconduct and or bullying be appropriately investigated, resolved, and reported to State Rehabilitation Councils, SRCs, the consumer entities responsible for providing input and oversight to State Rehabilitation Departments and Commissions and to RSA. This resolution directs state agencies serving the blind to immediately suspend all approvals for consumers to attend any residential rehabilitation training center for which documented allegations of sexual or other abuse or misconduct have been made until such time as the department or commission determines that the issues arising from any documented allegation have been addressed in accordance with standards to be developed by the state entity and or RSA pursuant to this resolution. Resolution 202106 instructs ACB to demand that the US Department of Justice immediately adopt regulations which establish categorical application of the Americans with Disabilities Act ADA to all elements of the internet and that DOJ require that WCAG 2.1 level AA or the most current successor versions be the applicable standard in developing such regulations. Resolution 202107 directs ACB's Advocacy and Governmental Affairs staff to work with the Advocacy Steering Committee to develop guidelines that can be used to make pill packs accessible for someone who is blind or has low vision, and directs ACB to urge the Access Board to reconvene in a manner consistent with the Food and Drug Administration's Safety and Innovation Act to update best practices for accessibility of pill packets. Resolution 202109 states that ACB welcomes innovative solutions to the global challenge of inaccessibility on the Internet, but does not support a response that creates a separate experience for users of assistive technology and directs that any technology designed to help the blindest community must include meaningful feedback from users who are blind or have low vision to ensure that it will not harm the community it purports to serve. Also, instructs the Information Access Committee to determine how best ACB can play a role in remedying the issues discussed in this resolution. Resolution 2021-10 directs the newly established Spanish-language subcommittee of the Multicultural Affairs Committee to develop plans, timelines, budget allocations, and priorities to implement initiatives and programs in order to expand ACB's outreach to the Spanish-speaking community beginning in 2022 and charges the Multicultural Affairs Committee and ACB Membership Committee with the task of developing a set of recommendations on how to effectively outreach to and recruit individuals who are blind or have low vision, whose principal language is Spanish. Resolution 2021-11 directs ACB to urge PBS to immediately recommence the practice of noting which programs contain audio description in all PBS publications and, at a minimum, include audio description on all PBS video programming that originally contained an audio description track. Resolution 2021-12 directs all healthcare practitioners using telehealth offer an accessible WCAG-compliant telehealth option and alternative that offers effective communication to all people who are blind or have low vision and urges all state affiliates to advocate on the issues presented in this resolution with their state's medical licensing agencies and local health care providers. Also instructs ACB to assist people who are blind or have low vision, who may need assistance in advocating with their health care practitioner, to obtain an accessible telehealth option. Resolution 2021-13 directs Guide Dog Users, Incorporated, together with the American Council of the Blind, its officers, directors, and staff, advise the U.S. Department of Transportation to immediately inform airlines that the department expects them to ensure that both the processes of completing and submitting their service dog travel forms are accessible to persons who are blind or have low vision, and that they must validate the accessibility of these processes through user testing also instructs ACB and GDUI to recommend that DOT compel airlines to provide their personnel with appropriate training in how to advise prospective passengers about the new requirements and, upon request, provide assistance with filling out the new forms. Resolution 2021-15 congratulates the American Foundation for the Blind on providing 100 years of advocacy, research, and collaboration to create a world of no limits for people who are blind or have low vision and directs that AFB collaborate with ACB and the entire blindness community to forge a path of innovation and inclusion for AFB's second century of service. Resolution 2021-16 directs that ACB collaborate with the Blinded Veterans Association concerning the need to ensure that During this transition period, VA employees who are blind or have low vision receive the training, services, and performance equity protections they need to enable them to continue performing the essential functions of their positions and thus ensure their continued employability with the VA. And if the VA is not responsive to the concerns expressed in this resolution, this organization informed the appropriate congressional oversight committees of these issues. Resolution 2021 18 instructs ACB to immediately make known to CMS the degree to which HCBS, targeted at Medicaid recipients who are blind or have low vision, will meet the goals of the Medicaid program and enhance the lives of this population, and to urge CMS in implementing its oversight of state Medicaid funds, including those under the American Rescue Plan Act, to issue guidance to states concerning the value of targeting these services to recipients who are blind or have low vision also directs ACB to urge its affiliates to advocate for the use of Medicaid funds, including American Rescue Plan Act funding, for home and community-based services targeted at the needs of Medicaid recipients who are blind or have low vision. Resolution 2021-21 directs ACB to work with its Advocacy Services Committee to develop a list of best practices which can be shared with ACB's state affiliates and local chapters and that the best practices cover access to polling places during early voting and on Election Day, the availability of accessible vote-by-mail ballots, including electronic return, effective access to voter registration, sample ballot information and other responsibilities of county authorities, and state and local legislation and regulations that provide for appropriate treatment for people with disabilities during all elements of the voting process which take into account medical conditions that might otherwise limit appropriate participation in federal, state, and local elections. Resolution 2021-22 directs ACB to make known its full support for, and advocate for, the use of human voices in the voicing of audio description for cinema and narrative video or streaming, and lend its assistance, where feasible, to affiliates undertaking such advocacy efforts. Resolution 2021-23 instructs ACB to specifically communicate with the CSUN Assistive Technology Conference to urge them to immediately require all presentations, including digital content, be made accessible to people who are blind or have low vision. Resolution 2021-24 directs ACB to support and urge Congress to adopt a long-term, federally-funded broadband benefit program, managed and administered by the FCC to provide low-income individuals with enhanced financial support for broadband after the pandemic ends, and for Congress to codify and fund it through mandatory directed spending as other entitlement programs are, instead of subjecting it to an annual discretionary appropriations process also directs Congress to renew its commitment to federal digital inclusion programs as they are highly effective in helping persons living with disabilities to gain the skills and confidence necessary to thrive in the digital age. Resolution 2021-25 states that this organization strongly condemns the denial of the reasonable accommodation request by Rebecca Myers and directs ACB and its SASE committee engage in an ongoing dialogue with the USOPC to develop and adhere to a transparent and ADA-compliant reasonable accommodations policy and process inclusive of auxiliary communication requests. It directs that such policy and process ensure, at a minimum, that athletes who are deafblind will be permitted to have an SSP accompany them to all future competitions and related events, sanctioned by the USOPC. Resolution 2021-26 urges the ACB Board of Publications and writers and editors who produce written communications and other media reflecting the values of the ACB to explore ways of implementing guidance regarding the organization's preference for using gender-neutral language in all ACB communications and media. Also directs BPI to conduct at least one community call on the use of gender-neutral language and agrees to consult with the Board of Publications on the implementation of this inclusive approach to language. Resolution twenty twenty one twenty eight directs that ACB continue on the path of diversity, equity, and inclusion by working with the Multicultural Affairs Committee and other appropriate committees to outline and facilitate intentional steps to hire and retain a well-qualified, well-trained, and more diverse staff, including a plan to ensure more diverse candidate pools also directs ACB's president to report to the membership, at least twice a year, on ongoing diversity efforts in staff and membership demographics, the number of people of color who are leaders of affiliates and committees, and the ongoing efforts to ensure that all publications and media reflect the diversity of America and our membership. Resolution 202129 expresses ACB's profound dissatisfaction with the current state of free matter for the blind delivery and work with the appropriate US Postal Service staff with expertise in free matter to promote and improve this vital service and encourages the Postmaster General to ensure that ongoing training is provided to local post office personnel. Resolution 202130 communicates ACB's dissatisfaction with ABWA and BNI and requests that these entities make all digital products and services fully accessible to people who are blind or have low vision. Resolution 202133 directs ACB to commit an organization-wide strategy to seek the prompt enactment of Teddy-Joy's law and to work in coalition with all like-minded stakeholders to launch a multi-year effort to promote such legislation and related public awareness strategies and tactics also directs the organization to strongly consider making passage of Teddy Joy's Law a primary legislative imperative at the 2022 ACB Legislative Seminar. Resolution 202134 instructs the board of directors to assign the advocacy steering committee the task of drafting a plan to implement this resolution in order to address the mental and emotional health crisis among people with vision loss. Resolution 202135 directs that ACB call upon NLS to prioritize distribution of this new Braille e-reader by revising LOC-NLS policy to allow network libraries to provide secondary preference to Braille-reading NLS patrons who are blind and have a severe hearing impairment. Resolution 202136 directs ACB to contact RSA to explore avenues for requiring compliance without harming the ability of state agencies to deliver rehabilitation services and directs ACB and RSA to send a letter to the National Council of Governors requesting dialogue on how state rehab councils differ from advisory councils, how incomplete SRCs impede RSA-mandated responsibilities, such as state agency annual reports and state plans, how incomplete SRCs damage direct and official consumer input into the rehabilitation of citizens with disabilities in general, and citizens who are blind or have low vision in particular, and a request that governors and other appointing agencies immediately consider pending SRC applications in their state. Passings We honor here members, friends, and supporters of the American Council of the Blind who have impacted our lives in many wonderful ways. If you would like to submit a notice for this column, please include as much of the following information as possible. Name. First, last, maiden, if appropriate. City of residence, upon passing. State, province of residence, upon passing. Other cities, states, countries of residence. Places where other blind people may have known this person. Occupation. Date of death. Day if known. Month. Year. Age. ACB affiliation. Local, state, special interest affiliates, or national committees. Deaths that occurred more than six months ago cannot be reported in this column. Richard E. Rick Belcher, January 28, 1952 to October 1, 2021 Richard E. Belcher, 69, of St. Louis, Missouri, passed away on October 1, 2021, in Las Vegas, Nevada. Rick was born on January 28, 1952, to the late Edgar Smokey E. Belcher and Virginia Nell Belcher. Blind since birth, Rick learned to read Braille at a young age. His father was an officer in the military, so Rick moved around the country and abroad at an early age. His parents moved the family to Ravendon, Arkansas in 1968. He was six when he started banging on the keys of a piano at an officer's club where his father sometimes frequented. One day, a blind guy came into the bar and played Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. Rick was hooked on music from that point. In 1991, Rick moved by himself to Little Rock, Arkansas, where he learned independent living skills at World Services for the Blind. He learned how to get around in a sighted world. He also learned the value of having access to information. A Mind's Eye listener since 1999, Rick enjoyed Blindness and Disability Hour and the interview show Ear to Ear. Music was Rick's passion. Rhythm and blues and rock and roll were his world. In Little Rock, Rick played music wherever he could. While visiting friends in St. Louis, Rick met Shelley, who later became his wife. Since Shelley was from St. Louis, they decided to make St. Louis their home. Rick auditioned and began playing music at BB's Jazz, Blues, and Soups. After Shelley's passing two years after they married, Rick picked himself up and, with his friend Mitch Watley, formed the St. Louis Funk Brothers Band. The duo performed at nursing homes and adult day centers. Rick also met Meryl Schechter while in Little Rock, Arkansas, in 1994, but lost contact for about 24 years. While attending the ACB National Convention in St. Louis in July 2018, Their paths crossed again, and from that point, they were inseparable. For the last three years of Rick's life, they talked multiple times daily and enjoyed their long-distance relationship. They also traveled many times to see each other in St. Louis or Baltimore, Maryland, and their last trip was a road trip to Las Vegas, Nevada, a place that Rick always wanted to visit. They spent almost one month together on the road at various casinos in Las Vegas and a one-day trip to Manhattan Beach, California. Rick had a lot of fun and enjoyed every moment, and he loved that it was happening with Merrill by his side. Rick was preceded in death by his wife, Shelley Belcher, and his parents, Edgar, Smokey, and Virginia, Nell, Belcher. He is survived by his siblings, Robert, Wanda, Belcher, James, Cordelia, Belcher, John, Tammy, Belcher, Patricia, Tracy, Belcher, and Joanne, Brooks, Harris nieces, nephews, friends, and his beloved fiancée, Meryl Schechter, of Windsor Mill, Maryland. Rick was laid to rest October 16, 2021, in the James Cemetery of Ravenden Springs, Arkansas. Billie Jean Keith Former Virginia resident and ACB staff member, Billie Jean Bridges Hill Keith, 83, died September 27, 2021, in The Villages, Florida. Billie Jean was born on July 24, 1938, to Wallace and Ethel Bridges in Winona, Mississippi. She lived in several cities, including New York, New York, London, England, and Jackson, Mississippi, before landing in Arlington, Virginia. While in Mississippi, Billie Jean was an active member of the Mississippi Council of the Blind. She worked for the Radio Reading Service of Mississippi. After moving to Virginia, She was an active member of the Northern Virginia Council of the Blind and the Council of Citizens with Low Vision International. Billie Jean was a life member of ACB and served on the Board of Publications. Billie Jean worked for the Blinded Veterans Association, the National Council on Disability, and the American Council of the Blind. While at the National Council, she analyzed and proposed policies related to employment, education, long-term services, and other areas critical to people with disabilities. She retired, but then worked as a peer counselor for the Independence Center of Northern Virginia, where she encouraged people who were blind or had other disabilities to set goals and achieve their highest potential. Billie Jean was an award-winning author. Her novel, A Kiss for a Yankee Dime, 2011, is available in audio format on NLS Bard. Billie Jean is survived by her son, Thomas Hill, her daughter, Caroline Fortenberry, and three grandchildren. Haley, Natalie, and Anna Fortenberry. She was preceded in death by her husband, Raymond, Bud, Keith. Bud and Billie Jean married in the summer of 1995 and are laid to rest together in Columbia Garden Cemetery in Arlington, Virginia. Anne Kathleen Parsons, reprinted from the Rochester Democrat and Chronicle, October 6, 2021. Anne Kathleen Parsons was born on February 9, 1953, in Olean, New York, and died peacefully on October 5, 2021, after a long battle with cancer. She was 68. Anne settled in Brighton at a young age. She is predeceased by her parents, George and Jane Parsons, and is survived by her cousin, Linda Stanko, and numerous friends. A graduate of St. Bonaventure University, Anne went on to establish Portal Tutoring, which supplied tutoring in Braille as well as the use of the computer for people who are blind. Anne was actively involved in numerous activities. Rochester Oratorio Society, 40 years, Church Choir at Our Lady Queen of Peace, Book Club, Writers Club, published a book, The Demis, a board member of the American Council of the Blind of New York, as well as a sci-fi club. Despite being blind from birth, Anne took several overseas singing tours with the Rochester Oratorio Society, as well as three stints in India, tutoring blind students in the use of the computer. A Mass of Christian Burial was held on October 16 at Our Lady Queen of Peace Church. In lieu of flowers, donations may be made to one of the following organizations. Rochester Oratorio Society, 1050 East Avenue, Rochester, New York, 14607. Lollipop Farm, 99 Victor Road, Fairport, New York, 14450. And Our Lady Queen of Peace Church, 601 Edgewood Avenue, Rochester, New York, 14618. To share a memory of Anne or send condolences to the family, visit www.anthonychapels.com www.anthonychapels.com Looking at my low vision life, at least so far, by Edward L. Cohen My worried parents got their hunch confirmed. When I was four, the Indianapolis eye doctor said I was very nearsighted and prescribed a pair of thick glasses. He noted that little boys usually won't wear or often lose their glasses, but I never did. That was in 1954. It was 1970 before a Purdue student clinic doctor finally named my eye condition as RP. Until then, I only heard I had a touch of night blindness. I'm the only person in my family with the RP gene. I got through my primary grades without being called four eyes more than other kids in the same situation. Like all the boys in my neighborhood, I wanted to be accepted and invited to play backyard ball. As long as it was well before sunset, I could hit the ball. But as it started to get dark, I couldn't hit a thing. This made me sad and my teammates angry. I switched to basketball because it was played indoors. It never got dark. I could read books as long as I held them close. Things changed when I moved into junior high school. There, teachers made much use of the blackboard. It was hard to admit to the teacher that I had trouble seeing what was being written. It didn't dawn on me that the teacher probably already figured that out. When I got brave enough to privately speak up, I might ask and was permitted to sit closer. It was better when they would echo what they were writing or say what they had just written. Being closer to the board only helped a little. Thank goodness back then blackboards were actually black and the white chalk left a mark that was easier to see. Those and other early experiences taught me lessons that stayed with me my entire life. One is, if you have something you need to say, you have to speak up for yourself. In that situation, I had to speak up if I was going to keep up in class. Another lesson learned was to focus closely on what teachers and others were saying. It all helped academically and in some unexpected ways. One way was that I started getting useful information about the world around me that I often didn't get from my eyes. I noticed how the sound of my footsteps reflected off the walls. I noticed that as someone walked by, it created what I called a sound shadow. Even noticing changes in air currents or smells provided useful information. The big eye-opener was this. As I listened and expressed curiosity about what the young people around me were saying, my small circle of friends grew a bit. I found I enjoyed talking to and learning from and about others. High school presented new opportunities. I continued to find math and science interesting and now met others who did as well. I also got exposed to and interested in what was then called mechanical drawing, now called drafting. Not only were these classes located in opposite ends of the school, the two groups of kids generally had different interests. I got along with most and learned from and made some friends in each group. My curiosity about the people and world around me has never stopped. Turning 16 meant driver's ed and passing the driver's test. I had no problems except driving at night, which I avoided when possible. I even added bright driving lights to help. I drove for 30 years, knowing it would eventually come to an end. When I failed the driver's eye test and then again at the eye doctor's office, I knew the end was at hand. I walked out having been told I was now legally blind and my driving days were over. He suggested I start learning what I'll need to deal with my new life. In the months following the appointment, I tracked down, met, and got involved with the local blind community. I discovered how little I knew about this world. Slowly, I learned about the wealth of resources and what seemed the amazing array of technology tools. Luckily, Indianapolis had a large number of knowledgeable blind people. I was able to keep working and even advanced in the information technology field for another 15 years. Finally, in 2010, I retired and in the same year, my wife and I moved to Minnesota to be near family. Throughout my life, my personality and interest led me to launching and leading numerous successful volunteer organizations and events. During my 35 working years, most jobs or positions were created for me. I was tasked to develop, launch, and lead new programs or projects. Many are still operating. I was always the only blind guy in the room. I felt responsible for showing that blindness was not a barrier to contributing to important and successful efforts. As my vision declined, I struggled to use the various large print weekly calendars that were out there. The fonts weren't large or high contrast enough to see. And there wasn't enough room to write big. I couldn't see the paper's edge and often wrote off the paper. When I mentioned this problem with other low-vision friends and professionals, they'd often say they faced similar challenges. I made and began using a weekly calendar that addressed all my challenges. As those people saw what I had made, many said that they or someone they knew would want one. They urged me to start making and selling them. Hearing such encouragement was nice, but I was already busy and knew such a venture would be all-consuming. Yet, over time, the issue kept coming back to me. I imagined the number of people this calendar might help. I often talked it over with my wife and did some research. By the fall of 2015, Easy to See Products was launched. You can find the full story at ez2seeproducts.com. My website also has a link to dozens of blog posts I've written. Many offer solutions to the sorts of everyday challenges faced by those of us dealing with vision loss and aging. If you find any helpful, Please let me know. The Mother of All Fundraisers by Judy Wilkinson November 7, 1987 was unseasonably warm in the Bay Area, promising a beautiful evening for a charted outing on San Francisco Bay. The Kurzweil scanner had recently come on the market with a price of $12,000. Where could I get that kind of money? I knew this device would revolutionize my horizon as a community college professor of English, teaching mostly composition courses, with the occasional literature course as a treat. Finally, I would be able to scan student assignments and preview texts for possible adoption, a luxury I could ill afford once I'd paid for a text to be transcribed into Braille at my own expense. But $12,000, way beyond my limited finances... We're talking long before I had any rights to having my reasonable accommodation needs met by my district. And, of course, long before the inexpensive scanning apps of today. Early that summer, the answer came to me. A variation on a rent party. You know, those pre-pandemic times when, during the Depression, folks asked neighbors to help them get the rent money. Realizing I'd have to invest some of my own money up front, I undertook a multifaceted, many-tasked project to raise that $12,000. I began with my local PBS station's live auction. I snagged an evening cruise with blue and gold charters for $1,200, usually over $4,000, a bargain. The string quartet for entertainment was $150, and the catering service was $1,500. So instead of putting $2,850 toward the Kurzweil, I was that much in debt in the other direction. Was I scared? You bet. Would my friends come through? My reader and I sent out several hundred letters explaining to my circle how much having this scanner would revolutionize my teaching. Would they purchase $35 tickets for my evening cruise? So many did. They invited their friends. They bought tickets. They added a bit extra— They added a lot extra. One of my favorite singers took a chance and lent me her mailing list. More tickets. A snag. Any booze sold on board could only be purchased at the yacht's bar. But I could give away drinks. So as folks neared the gangplank, my scout sold them cards to get their gift of wine on board. $10 for a bottle of champagne. Pink card. Red for red wine. White for white wine. My local wine store gave me a wonderful discount. And so even here I made a profit, and the blue and gold folks thought people were picking up my gift. It was truly a wonderful event. The string quartet was splendid. Though we ran out of food, the catered buffet was enjoyed. For me personally, this was one of the last events my mother attended. She had been very skeptical. You can't charge people for wine. You can't ask your friends for money. But in the end, I know she was proud. In fact, somewhat indignant on my behalf. The captain just walked by and didn't even acknowledge you, she informed me. She was in her glory that night, visiting with all those on board. The cancer took her a year later. When all was said and done, I cleared over $9,000. Still not enough. I learned a lot about managing my overhead costs more efficiently the next time. Not useful in this particular case, however. But one of the attendees was so impressed with my effort that he offered to lend me the remainder of the money, a loan to be paid at no interest over two years. But even here, kindness prevailed. After paying promptly for six months, my generous benefactor forgave the remainder of the loan. And indeed, as I had hoped, the scanner changed my entire teaching strategy. So, you might well ask, that's all well and good for nearly 35 years ago, when PBS stations had live auctions. But what takeaways are there for today? 1. Assume people are willing to support a worthy cause. Thank chapter outreach, state or national affiliate fundraising campaign. 2. If you never ask, the answer is always no. However much we dread picking up the phone or sending that email with an ask, no one ever died from being refused or hearing no. 3. You may need to invest money to make money. Or to put it another way, you may need to take some risk to gain greater benefit. 4. Aim high. Your strategy may be to begin with a small task, but think long-term. 5. Plan carefully. As is said, God is in the details. I included stamped return envelopes, making it easy for folks to respond. Today's snail mail may be quaint history, but the principle is still the same. Work out your details. 6. One person can make a huge difference. Much of what I learned from this personal effort stood me in good stead during my presidency of the California Council of the Blind. I took risks. Some failed spectacularly. Others, however, moved the council forward on our path of serving folks who are blind or visually impaired. If you dream big, the sky is the limit. Notice of Proposed Settlement of Class Action and Fairness Hearing This notice has been approved by the United States District Court for the Eastern District of California. Be advised of the preliminary approval of the settlement of a class action lawsuit brought by Valerie Brooks, the named plaintiff, against Pressed Juicery Incorporated and Doe's 1 through 10, Pressed Juicery. The named plaintiff, individually, and on behalf of all members of the settlement classes, as defined below, alleges that, as individuals with visual impairments they were denied equal access to, or enjoyment of, Press Juicery's website, www.pressedjuicery.com, and defendant's corporate-sponsored blog, thechalkboardmag.com, collectively the website. Press Juicery denies the named plaintiff's allegations and denies any fault or wrongdoing whatsoever. Under the proposed settlement, pressed juicery will make certain changes to the website and any software designed to run on a mobile device, such as a smartphone or tablet computer, that features information put out from pressed juicery to provide users with similar services to those accessed on PCs regarding its goods and services, mobile applications, as set forth in the Class Action Settlement Agreement and Release in exchange for the settlement classes releasing claims regarding the accessibility of the website and mobile applications as it exists at the time of the settlement or as it may be modified in accordance with the settlement agreement. A final approval and fairness hearing on the proposed settlement is scheduled for February 11, 2022, at 10 a.m. in Courtroom 3, before the Honorable Kimberly J. Mueller, Chief Judge for the United States District Court for the Eastern District of California. Robert T. Matsui, United States Courthouse, 501 I Street, Sacramento, California, 95814. Please read this notice carefully. It contains important information about your legal rights concerning the proposed settlement of this lawsuit. 1. Who are the members of the settlement classes? The court has preliminarily approved the following two settlement classes. 1. The nationwide class. All individuals who, A, have a disability, as that term is defined under the Americans with Disabilities Act, the ADA, 42 U.S.C., Section 12102, and similar state and local disability laws, and B, have accessed the website and mobile applications, and C, have been denied equal access as a result of their disability. 2. The California Class all individuals in the state of California who, A, have a disability, as that term is defined under the ADA and similar state and local disability laws, and, B, have accessed the website and mobile applications, and, C, have been denied equal access as a result of their disability. 2. What are the benefits of the proposed settlement? Under the settlement agreement, Pressed juicery has agreed to make certain accessibility modifications to the website and mobile applications. Those changes include A. Modifying the website and mobile applications to improve accessibility and to provide individuals with disabilities full and equal enjoyment of the goods, services, facilities, privileges, advantages, and accommodations offered through the website and mobile applications by having the website and mobile applications substantially usable by screen reader software for website and mobile applications users in the future pressed juicery shall use WCAG 2.0 level AA as a guideline in making such improvements. B. Pressed juicery can link to third-party websites and or include third-party content on the website and mobile applications. For example, any web content that is dictated or generated by a third party and is not owned, coded, managed, and or operated by the released parties, including, but not limited to, plugins, forms, PDF files, social media, and YouTube videos without being required to undertake, to complete remediation for, or to be responsible or liable for any form of third-party content that is incorporated into the website and mobile applications. C. Pressed juicery has agreed to pay into a settlement fund, which, after deductions for attorney's fees, litigation costs, and a service award for the class representative as set forth in paragraph 4 below, will be paid out to class members who make timely claims showing proof, browsing history, that they attempted to use the website and or mobile applications. Such class members will be entitled to an amount which is proportional to the number of valid claimants, but which provides an enhancement to claimants from California of three times the pro rata share of the settlement fund, not to exceed $1,000 per claimant. 3. How could the settlement affect your legal rights? If Judge Mueller approves the proposed settlement, members of the classes will release all claims for discrimination and denial of equal access on the basis of disability arising from defendant's practices or procedures in connection with, or the condition of, the website and mobile applications owned or operated by pressed juicery at the time of the court's final approval of the settlement, or as the website and or mobile applications may be modified under the terms of the settlement. More specifically, the Settlement Agreement provides as follows. In consideration for the mutual promises and covenants set forth or referred to in the Settlement Agreement, the Settlement classes and each of their respective members, executors, successors, heirs, assigns, administrators, agents, and representatives, collectively referred to as the releasing parties, released the released parties from any and all claims, counterclaims, liabilities, Obligations, demands, and actions of any and every kind or nature whatsoever, known or unknown, that the releasing parties may have against the released parties for discrimination and or denial of equal access to or enjoyment of any goods, services, facilities, privileges, advantages, or accommodations, based upon a disability under the common law or any state, local, or federal statute, rule or regulation arising from defendant's practices or procedures in connection with or the condition of the websites and mobile applications owned or operated by the defendant. This release includes, but is not limited to, any and all claims that have arisen or might have arisen that could have been asserted in the action, including claims in violation of the Americans with Disabilities Act, 42 U.S.C., sections 12101 at SEC, the UNRU Civil Rights Act, California Civil Code, Sections 51 at SEC, Disabled Persons Act, California Civil Code, Sections 54 at SEC, any other state, local or federal statute, rule or regulation, or common law that governs, addresses, or affects the rights of individuals with disabilities to gain equal or full access to, or enjoyment of, places of public accommodation or places open to the public. This release includes, but is not limited to, claims for class-wide injunctive or declaratory relief alleging a class-wide pattern and practice of disability-based discrimination in connection with, or an unlawful disparate impact associated with, access to or enjoyment of, the defendant's website and mobile applications. This release includes any claims for damages, fines, or penalties in amounts statutorily authorized, including, as determined by reference to minimum or other prescribed amounts, for violations of the state disability statutes, but does not include claims for monetary damages, including, as they may be multiplied, in individualized amounts recoverable by a settlement class member that, under the state disability statutes or common law, are determined not by reference to a minimum or other statutorily prescribed amount, but by the actual harm, loss, bodily injury, injury to property, emotional distress, or economic damage allegedly suffered by a class member. By way of example, this release includes claims for the $4,000 and $1,000 minimum damages authorized in California Civil Code Section 52A and Section 54.3, respectively. This release is intended to bind all settlement classes and its members and to preclude such settlement classes and its members from asserting or initiating, either individually or through any third party, future claims with respect to the issues in this action or the subject matter of this settlement agreement. 4. What service payment is the named plaintiff seeking for the work she performed for the class? In recognition of the named plaintiff's role in prosecuting this action, Class counsel has filed a motion for an award of a service enhancement payment of no more than $2,500 to be paid by pressed juicery, which motion shall be heard at the time of the final approval and fairness hearing. Class counsel shall file this motion within 14 days after the court enters the preliminary approval order. 5. What attorney's fees and what reimbursement of -of out-of-pocket costs are class counsel seeking? Class counsel is applying to the court to be paid attorney's fees and costs in the aggregate amount of no more than $35,000. 6. Requests for Exclusion from the Settlement Any class member may opt out of the class by submitting a written request for exclusion with the settlement administrator at the address provided in response to paragraph 8 below. To be timely, a request for exclusion must be postmarked no later than November 29, 2021. Requests for exclusion must state at least the member of the settlement class's full name, address, and telephone number, a statement that the member of the settlement class wishes to be excluded from the settlement, and the case name and case number. Every member of the settlement classes who does not timely and properly submit a request for exclusion from the settlement classes shall be bound by all proceedings, orders, and judgments in the class action. All members of the settlement class agree that the satisfaction of all the released claims against the defendant, as well as entry of the final approval order, shall be binding upon all members of the settlement classes. 7. When and where will the final approval and fairness hearing take place? On September 30, 2021, Judge Mueller granted preliminary approval to the proposed settlement. After considering the comments and or objections received from members of the settlement class, if any, Judge Mueller will next decide whether or not to 1. Grant final approval of the settlement, 2. Grant class counsel's application for fees and costs, and 3. Award a service enhancement payment to the named plaintiff. A hearing will be held on February 11, 2022 at 10 a.m. in Courtroom 3 before the Honorable Kimberly J. Mueller, Chief Judge for the United States District Court for the Eastern District of California, Robert T. Matsui United States Courthouse, 501 I Street, Sacramento, California, 95814. You may attend this hearing at your own expense but are not obligated to do so. If you choose to attend, you may request an opportunity to speak or be heard, but the court is not required to allow it. You may retain an attorney at your own expense to represent you but are not required to do so. If you intend to attend the Fairness Hearing, you must send a written notice of intent to appear to Wilshire Law Firm, 3055 Wilshire Boulevard, 12th Floor, Los Angeles, California, 90010, telephone 213-381-9988. Your notice of intent to appear must include at least your name, address, and telephone number, a reference to the lawsuit, a statement that you intend to appear at the hearing and must be postmarked no later than November 29, 2021. If you wish to speak or be heard at the hearing, you also must include this request in your Notice of Intent to Appear. 8. How can you get more information? You can obtain a copy of the complete settlement agreement from the claims administrator using the contact information listed below. You may also inspect the non-confidential parts of the case file in this lawsuit by going to the website of the U.S. District Court for the Eastern District of California, www.pacer.gov. Claims Administrator, Brooks v. Pressed Juicery, care of CPT Group Incorporated, 50 Corporate Park, Irvine, California 92606, Ackerman LLP, by Arlene Klein. Arlene Klein, Esquire. Damian Delancey, Esquire. Zoe Bikis, Esquire. Attorneys for defendant, Press Juicery, Incorporated. Wilshire Law Firm. By Tiago Coelho. Bobby Sadian, Esquire. Tiago Coelho, Esquire. Attorneys for named plaintiff, Valerie Brooks. Here and There. Edited by Cynthia G. Hawkins. The announcement of products and services in this column does not represent an endorsement by the American Council of the Blind, its officers, or staff. Listings are free of charge for the benefit of our readers. The ACBE Forum cannot be held responsible for the reliability of the products and services mentioned. To submit items for this column, send a message to slovering at acb.org or phone the National Office at 1-800-424-8666 and leave a message in Sharon Lovering's mailbox. Information must be received at least two months ahead of publication date. Proposed Settlement in Murphy v. Ibobs, LLC A proposed settlement has been reached that would resolve the class action lawsuit Murphy v. Ibobs, LLC, number 121-CV, Dash WDPA. The lawsuit alleges that IBOBS LLC violated the Americans with Disabilities Act. 42 U.S.C. Sections 1201 at SEC, by failing to take the necessary steps to ensure its online store, located at www.ibobs.com, does not discriminate against blind or visually disabled consumers who use screen reader auxiliary aids to access digital content. Under the settlement, iBOBS agrees to take additional steps to make its website and any new website or mobile application it develops or acquires accessible to screen reader users. For a more complete summary of the terms of the proposed settlement, visit tinyurl.com sjbwwmtb. Social Security Benefit Increase Social Security and Supplemental Security Income, SSI, benefits for approximately 70 million Americans will increase 5.9% in 2022. For more information, visit www.socialsecurity.gov C-O-L-A. Survey Respondents Needed – Employment Outcomes Dr. Sheng Li Dong of Florida State University is seeking respondents to a survey for a study on resource-seeking strategies and their impact on employment outcomes. To take the survey, go to tinyurl.com H 6 TR, numeral 2, H, numeral 3, U. For questions, contact Workplace underscore accommodation at fsu.edu. Seeking Subjects for Survey for Product Design Students in the MS Human-Computer Interaction Program at the Georgia Institute of Technology are seeking survey respondents. They are creating an accessible digital map, to take the survey, visit tinyurl.com XSBNNWPT. Send questions to four 46 at gatech.edu. NBP Touch of Genius Prize 2022 Applications the Touch of Genius Prize inspires entrepreneurs, educators and inventors to continue the promotion of Braille and tactile literacy for blind and deafblind people worldwide. The winner of this prize will receive up to $10,000. Applications are due January 14, 2022. Find application details and FAQs at tinyurl.com/axzveaun. For additional questions, contact H-M-A-C-L-E-O-D at nbp.org. APH Museum Reopens The American Printing House for the Blind, APH Museum, has reopened its doors to the public and relaunched its website, www.aphmuseum.org. This relaunch has been nearly three years in the making. Key features include access to more than 16,000 artifacts, displays, and collections, and a virtual tour experience. McDonald's – Vespero Partner for Accessible Kiosks Vespero's product, JAWS Kiosk, is being deployed to select McDonald's U.S. locations. This interactive solution will allow blind and low-vision patrons to self-order independently. JAWS Kiosk will allow blind and low-vision users the ability to interact with a self-order kiosk by inserting headphones into the headphone jack, located on the navigation pad, which will then navigate the kiosk screen, reading the content as they move through the application. McDonald's is in the process of deploying this solution to corporate-owned stores and select franchise locations across the U.S. NBP's New Trustees National Braille Press recently appointed seven new trustees to its board. Sally Bernstein, Virginia O. Brennan, Jenny Cohane, Julie Kerner, Terry Rupp, Thomas Lidkowski, and Laura Wolk. Daniel Hurst and Janet L. are returning to the board. For more information, visit www.nbp.org. New Books from ACB Authors now available is Adam's Accessible Airport Adventure by Michelle Grenovich. It's available in large print from Amazon, tinyurl.com numeral 5B numeral 2HT numerals 35D. As Adam moves through the airport with his uncle, he learns that with a little help, public areas can be accessed by people with disabilities. Newly available is What Color Is Air by Larry P. Johnson. It features 60 commentaries from his video series, and here's how I see it, detailing his experiences during the COVID-19 pandemic. It's available from Larry, L-A-R-J-O, numeral one, at P-R-O-D-I-G-Y dot New Books Newly available is Your Amazing Itty Bitty Guide for Adult 2020 Vision Loss, 15 Key Topics for Successful Lifestyle Modifications by Gloria Riley In this pocket-sized guide, Gloria talks about the reality of sight loss, the changes it makes in your life, and how to learn the skills you need going forward. This book is available from Amazon via Kindle and paperback. New from National Braille Press There are a lot of new items available from National Braille Press. Looking for holiday cards and gifts? Take a look at tinyurl.com slash bn 4 k 2 wfp. You'll find holiday cards in print and braille for 2021, Season of Smiles, plus 2019, Slay the Season, and 2017, Warm Winter Wishes. Is there a Peanuts fan in the house? Take a look at the 2022 Peanuts print and braille wall calendar. New in books for young children are Pouch by David Ezra Stein and Lola at the Library by Anna McQuinn and Rosalind Beardshaw. Pouch is available in UEB for babies through two-year-olds. Lola at the Library is available in UEB for babies through three-year-olds. Also available is That's Not My Panda by Usborne Books. It's a print and braille touch and feel book in uncontracted UEB for ages birth to three. Freshly available are Happy Birthday to You by Dr. Seuss and I Love You to the Moon and Back by Amelia Hepworth and Tim Warns. Both are available in UEB. The birthday book is for ages 5 and up. I Love You to the Moon and Back for ages 2 to 5. New for ages 4 to 8 is Nana Upstairs and Nana Downstairs by Tommy DePaula, which is available in UEB. Also new is In November by Cynthia Ryland and Jill Kastner. It's available in UEB for ages 4 to 8. Recently published is All the Way to the Top, How One Girl's Fight for Americans with Disabilities Changed Everything, by Annette Bay Pimentel and Nabi H. Ali. It comes in contracted UEB for ages 4 to 8. Is there a math hater in your household? If so, check out What's the Point of Math for ages 9 to 12. It's available in UEB and includes 93 tactile illustrations. The book unpacks how math is a surprising and essential part of our everyday life. It may change a child's perception of numbers and give them the skills and understanding to apply the principles regularly. Got a high schooler about to take the SAT? Take a look at Crash Course for the SAT, 5th edition, by Jonathan Chu and the staff of The Princeton Review. It's available in UEB with Nemeth and includes 52 tactile illustrations. Over in the Technology section, there are several new books available. Android Commands and Settings, Android S12, by Anna Garza Gies is one of them. It's available in Braille, as well as a BRF, DAISY, or Word file. This book is an introduction to important accessibility features for Android users. Coverage includes talkback gestures, voice commands, ear-cons, settings, and the on-screen Braille keyboard, as well as accessibility settings, low vision features, and Braille output. Another book readers may find useful is Remote Meeting Platforms, Work and Play Anywhere by Kim Nova and Chris Nova. It too is available in Braille, as well as BRF, DAISY, or Word files. You'll learn the advantages of attending remote meetings the necessary etiquette to follow, and specific protocols for screen reader users. You're guided through using six of the most popular remote meeting services, including Zoom Video Communications, Microsoft Teams, Google Meet, GoToMeeting, BlueJeans, and Slack. Looking for some good recipes? Take a peek at Sheet Pan Cooking, 70 Easy Recipes, by Good Housekeeping and Susan Westmoreland. It's available in Braille and as a Braille-ready file. For more information, call toll-free 1-800-548-7323 or visit tinyurl.com slash M-A-Y 2 M-T 7 E. Grab My Bag Luggage Service Grab My Bag offers a luggage delivery service from the airport baggage claim to the traveler's requested location. This service could be helpful to all travelers, especially seniors and individuals with disabilities. This private service is not affiliated with the airlines or airports. Interested? Visit www.grabmybag.com or call 1-833-244-9994. North American Association of Blind Sportsmen The North American Association of Blind Sportsmen recently added a chapter in Oklahoma. The first chapter is in Washington. The group is a nonprofit organization that takes blind people on hunting and fishing trips. To support those trips, the organization holds fundraisers. Members sell t-shirts, coffee, coffee mugs, turkey decoys, and gun cleaning kits, just to name a few items. NAABS also has a show on the National Sports Channel called Adaptive Pursuit. For more information or to join, visit www.naabs.org. If you're in the Oklahoma area, contact Kenny Blair, Oklahoma Chapter President, at 918-933-2093. Christmas Wishes by Earl Sherry Reprinted from the Braille Forum, January 1970 Morning and a world of white A laden tree And may no disappointment blight your ecstasy CHURCH BELLS AND CHRISTMAS TIDINGS AND AFTER THAT THE FEAST AND MAY THERE BE NO OUTRAGED STOMACHS CHIDING WHEN YOU HAVE CEASED REUNION AND CHRISTMAS CHEER AND TOM AND JERRY AND MAY NO THROBBING HEAD APPEAR TO MAR YOUR MAKING MERRY By your side AND A BOOK TO READ A CHRISTMAS CAROL AND MAY NO GHOSTS OF GUILTY GREED YOUR PEACE imperil. A MANGER AND A LOWLY LIFE AND LOVE UNTAINTED May men with base and stride and strife be unacquainted. The New Year by Horatio Nelson Powers Reprinted from the Braille Forum, January 1970 A flower unblown, a book unread, A tree with fruit unharvested, A path untrod, a house whose rooms Lack yet the heart's divine perfume, A landscape whose wide border lies in silent shade, neath silent skies. A treasure with its gifts concealed. This is the year that for you waits beyond tomorrow's mystic gates. ACB Officers President Dan Spoon, Second Term, 2023 3924 Lake Mirage Boulevard, Orlando, Florida 32817-1554 First Vice President, Deb Cook-Lewis. First term, 2023. 1131 Liberty Drive, Clarkston, Washington, 99403. Second Vice President, Ray Campbell. Second term, 2023. 460 Raintree Court, Number 3K, Glen Ellen, Illinois, 60137. Secretary, Denise Colley. Second term, 2023. 1401 Northwest Lane, Southeast, Lacey, Washington, 98503. Treasurer David Trot, Final term 2023. 1-0-1-8 East Street South, Talladega, Alabama, 35160. Immediate past president Kim Charlson. 57 Grandview Avenue, Watertown, Massachusetts, 02472. ACB Board of Directors. Christopher Bell, Pittsburgh, North Carolina, first term, 2024. Jeff Bishop, Kirkland, Washington, second term, 2024. Donna Brown, Romney, West Virginia, first term, 2024. James Crott, Miami, Florida, first term, 2022. Doug Powell, Falls Church, Virginia, second term, 2024. Kenneth Semian Sr., Beaumont, Texas, first term, 2024. Patrick Sheehan, Silver Spring, Maryland, second term, 2022. Connie Sims, Sioux Falls, South Dakota, partial term, 2022. Michael Talley, Hueytown, Alabama, first term, 2022. Jeff Tom, Sacramento, California, first term, 2022. ACB Board of Publications. Katie Frederick, Chair, Worthington, Ohio, first term, 2023. Cheryl Cummings, Boston, Massachusetts, first term, 2023. Zelda Gephardt, Edgley, North Dakota, first term, 2022. Penny Reeder, Montgomery Village, Maryland, second term, 2022. Kachay Wells, Jacksonville, Florida, First Term, 2022. Accessing your ACB Braille and eForums The ACB e-forum may be accessed by email, on the ACB website, via download from the webpage, in Word, plain text or Braille-ready file, or by phone at 518-906-1820. To subscribe to the email version, contact Sharon Lovering, S-L-O-V-E-R-I-N-G, at acb.org. The ACB Braille Forum is available by mail, in Braille, large print, NLS-style digital cartridge, and via email. It is also available to read or download from ACB's webpage and by phone, 518-906-1820 subscribe to the podcast versions from your second generation victor reader stream or from pinecast.com/feed/acb-braille-forum-and-e-forum